All right, all right, all right. We are very excited for this moment because we got the one and only Harrison Duran, the fossil excavator. And hey, he's right here as Yay. we speak right now. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Yeah, what's good, Harrison? How's it going? Great, thank you. Hey, that's what I like to hear, man. You are one of my favorite people, and I've been hunting you down since last summer. Ever since I heard your uh, your art, I to me, I think it's the most inspirational thing that I think all millennials should have. Oh, look at we even brought our own little T Rex friend. Oh, we'll call it Alice. We'll, we'll play it's the not game. Alice is Chewy. Oh, it's Chewy. Chewy. Which Marissa, I think you're bringing a very fair point, right? <laughs> yes, because I want to know. Okay, Harrison, do you go by Harrison or Harry? Uh, Harrison's fine. Okay. Uh, okay, I wanted to call you Harry because no, you, you Harrison is David. still too long a name, just like a dinosaur's name. Why cannot dinosaur names be short, sweet, and digestible? Yeah, like, like Moby my, Dick. Like my no. Chewy. I am Chewy. Okay, tell me why. Yeah, so usually I think part of the tradition is that you want to have some sort of Latin name. And when you do this, you're encompassing like a, a pretty... The translation in Latin is pretty short. So, like, some of the new tyrannosaurs that were recognized mm -hmm. were called, like, the Reaper of Death. Yeah. Right. Yeah. See, that's <laughs> a name yeah, I can get behind. Stuff like that. And uh, so, but usually it comes from a Latin background. So, that's why the names are all kind of long and confusing. Hey, but you found it in America, right? Like, why don't you give it some <laughs> nice, cool American name? You could call it Chris Collins. Yeah. <laughs> Chris Collins dinosaur. I, I'm just giving <laughs> suggestions, Harrison. <laughs> Hey, hey, next one though, right? Next one we <laughs> could you promise right. me that you maybe could spill maybe we can merge our names together, Harrison. <laughs> Chris uh, Harrison. I like No, that. how about Coladuranosaurus. Okay, stop playing. Coladuranosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but you know what? I just wanted all the listeners to really get to understanding about you. So, Harrison, please tell us about your story because I really loved how you really pursued trying to get a job at the Brea Tar Pits at one point. And yes. so break that down for us because I, I really think this is very inspiring. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as a kid, I would always go to the tar pits, right? I uh, grew up in Orange County, so I'm pretty close by. And uh, the tar pits and the American Museum of Natural History in Los Angeles were places that really kind of sparked my passion. I've always mm -hmm. been uh, fascinated with the study of paleontology. And I have pretty much kind of like pursued it up and up until now. And uh, usually it's it's kind of tough to follow something that you've been passionate about as, as a kid. But thankfully, I've had the opportunities to uh, pursue that in my studies. Did you ever take a date to the La Brea Tar Pits and like wow <laughs> them with so your knowledge? Much, yeah, dinosaur talk. I, I did take my girlfriend recently. Ooh. Yeah. So is your have you ever taken her when you were in a fight and thought about throwing her in? Because that's a really good place to get rid of someone because they'll sink and kind of like disappear for a while and then after you're dead they'll like bubble back up. We're trying to Too talk much? with our guests okay. and have a civil conversation, Marissa. <laughs> pull back here. Pull back here. Sorry, dinosaurs get me excited. Is, where did this influence come to want to, you know, be a fossil excavator? Did it start with the cartoon series Land Before Time? Or were you a huge oh. fanatic of the trilogy of Jurassic Park? Or were you just already had that mindset that dinosaurs was my number one thing? I think it, w it was all the above, certainly. The, the media, the, the, the you know film industry, that obviously like helps to like the lore. I think that adds to the to the lore and the public eye of dinosaurs because they're almost kind of like mythological, right? Yeah. They're almost kind of like they're. I don't think a lot of people for, forget that they were real animals, and 
it it sort of adds to that to that lore of it. I have a quick. And this is not so on just, there. I just have a quick question. So I'm what sorry. You got? You're talking about the lure. You're talking about the mythical, you know, beast. Are you on the side that dinosaurs are boring? Grays and browns, or are you on the side that <laughs> the dinosaurs colorful? are colorful? But I then I hear know. they're, they're feathery too. And are what they feathery? What is a dinosaur? <laughs> yes, I think the early part of the 20th century, they were perceived as, or just similarly to reptiles today, right? Cold-blooded, yeah. slow-moving, lumbering, and more and more evidence has come out where we found out that they are they are, uh, you know, social. They were most likely warm-blooded. Birds are the most common what? descendants, and they were probably vibrantly colored. In some specimens, we could actually tell the color of the dinosaur. They're like the original See, punk so rocker. Get, get us our friend. We have we actually brought a friend into the studio. So he's the outdated version. This, so is this outdated right here? This poor Chewy. I would say that the Jurassic Park T Rex they have there is it was the most realistic interpretation. Uh, in the film industry when it came out. But I know uh, that Ooh, that was really politically but, correct sounding. I yeah. like that. <laughs> but it's but uh, nowadays uh, there are slight differences uh, to it. Uh, it probably didn't roar. It probably used uh, low rumbling vibrations to communicate. Mm. Uh, there are different uh, the model you have there is kind of like very skin wrapped so it's very right. musty and whereas real animals have like they have muscle but they also have a lot of like girth on them too in real life right so there's sort of uh anatomical differences with the movie portrayal and what we have evidence for today so the but t-rex I, is bigger than what i, think I would it say is? yeah it can, i mean it's it's around the same size but it probably was a little bit uh girthier than what they portray in the movie so it was fat a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a, little, a little bit of fat. I mean, they gotta eat. Hey, Marissa. it's an American. But, yeah. You know, I know, I know, Chewy. He's got a question for you, and he's like, "Hey, hey what is the excitement about digging for T Rex that you find in the dirt? Like, where does that all start?" It's <laughs> you are the first person, and really the first thing to lay eyes on this specimen and tens of millions of years you're uncovering these titans of a lost world that really piece together a uh a a different time in earth's history a time that's so far different than you know what we perceive today today yeah yeah i gotta ask you this harrison because i was just thinking like do some people argue with fossil excavators that like sometimes like if you just keep it in the dirt the longevity is going to last longer. Like when you out, when you green, take it, unearth it, for example, is it harder to preserve those fossilized bones? Yeah, it's since the bones are rock, so it's replaced uh, mineral has replaced the bone, so it's going to last for a long time, right? It's not going to decay. Um, yeah. It's not this live biological specimen that's going to like rot or anything. It's already been kind of replaced right it's a it's a mineralized cast mold so i think that it everybody supports uncovering it because it's all data right all these bones and fossils and evidence are data they're paleoecological data paleontological data and i think we everybody supports uncovering these but doing it in a professional manner that's the big key thing but you know the the biggest thing because you're getting to a great point you know these these bones they turn into rocks and like so marissa and i've been debating all week we're like how could you tell the difference between a fossilized bone and just a rock 
Yeah, so part of the difference is what you see is that bone has a little bit of a fibrous Ooh, texture to it. we got some it. coming on the sky. Oh, I love it. It says porous. And also, too, has, you can see the bone marrow in there. Oh, wow. So it's an actual, right? I mean, it's an animal, right? So, so you're going to have bone marrow. You're going to have this fibrous texture on the bone. And that's how you determine is uh, based off of the texture. So ha- is that what and, happened? You were sitting there like what you thought was a rock, and then you were just like, wait a minute, I see holes in this rock. Like, what yes. What happened? What was that experience? Yeah. Tell me. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a, it, a true, I mean, it's, it, it's a really amazing experience because I haven't seen them in, like, the wild before, right? I haven't right. stumbled across a, a dinosaur bone. So when you do see it for the first time, it's a... Uh, it's a pretty remarkable experience, at least for if you've been interested in the field for your entire life. Well, I was going to say, well, how did you get invited <laughs> by your professor? Save the trivia for after the it's break. How did you get invited by your professor to actually join this fossil excavation? Because, you know, I think that's pretty that's pretty cool for any of the listeners that might want to know how to get in the steps that Harrison Duran has done. Yes. So a lot of excavators go on private land. And if you uh, know a landowner, it's as simple as going up to them, asking them if you could dig on their land, and then you uh, have permission. And so in the case of uh, Dr. Michael Chelland, I met him at a biotech conference a few years ago. So we knew each other through uh, the biotech industry. But he also uh, lives in North Dakota, and he goes out to the Badlands and digs in the southwestern part of the state. And so what do you he, mean by digging, though? Because I feel like you don't want to stick the shovel in a little too deep because then you right. might damage the dinosaur fall. So how does those procedures happen? It, it's, it's more like a prospecting. So you're going along these, these ravines, these canyons, these buttes, right, this Badland terrain, because that's where the Cretaceous, late Cretaceous rock is exposed. Mm-hmm. Mm at least in the Hell Creek Formation. So this rock formation is world famous for having T-Rex and Triceratops and giant raptors and you name it. Uh, it's been one of the most rich deposits in the world. So you go along uh, these ravines and you pretty much prospect for pieces of bone that are seeping out of the hillside. You find the bone layer where it's embedded and then that's where you start excavating. And then if you find something big, then you could pretty much dig around it with shovels. But you prospect with uh, just by looking at the bone on the ground and then you excavate carefully with smaller tools. That's pretty cool. That is insane. I got to bet that you have the biggest patience than anybody that I know because I'm a huge heavy metal guy. I like to move fast and like, I don't know if I can move yeah, that you're little not a dinosaur paintbrush. You know, I'd be like, ah! <laughs> but hey, stick around listeners because we got Harrison Duran. He's a fossil excavator and we will be right back after this commercial break. Hey, what's good? We're back from the Chris Collins Show, and we got the wonderful, the specially talented Harrison Duran. He is a fossil excavator. He is a millennial like us, which is very inspiring. And I wanted to bring on Amy Peterson on. She's our wonderful uh, assistant social media coordinator, and she's wearing the fabulous dinosaurs all on her chest. It might be kind of hard for you to see on the Skype. But Amy, oh, yeah, I, I see it. But I know you had <laughs> one question for it. Oh, you got to turn your mic oh, on, though. That might help. Sorry, Amy. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I can hear you now. Hi. <laughs> You know, but like, you know, Amy was kind of wondering, like, why should people care about dinosaurs? Like, why is it so important when we find these dinosaurs? What do we learn from these discoveries? So we 
when you're discovering, you know, these uh, ancient climates and the animals that lived in them, a lot of it is applicable to today's climate research. So we could look at events from the past that happened and we could better uh, find out how changes to the planet affect life. Uh, changes affect ecosystems. And so part of the real world application is pretty much adding to the understanding of how ecosystems work. So you can learn a lot from the terrain just by looking at it even before you even find that dinosaur? Yes. So in the case of where Alice lived in the type of world and climate that she lived in, she lived in a very temperate environment. We had a western interior seaway that cut through the middle of North America, so that means that there weren't really any ice caps at the time and that the global temperature was uh, very high. So right. we could sort of predict that if the temperature rises, then so will the sea level. Okay, I have a quick question now. Yeah. The trivia, this leads into it, thank you, about sea level. <laughs> so I'm a trivia fanatic. Um, do you know what uh, nursery rhyme slash tongue twister is um, associated with dinosaurs? Ooh. Uh, no, you have to enlighten me on that. <laughs> she sells seashells down by the oh. seashore. <laughs> and why is that associated? Because I know you know this. Do you? Is that uh, Mary Ann? Yes. Yeah, I'm glad <laughs> wow. You know, yeah, Marissa's a huge fanatic. <laughs> Can of you the tell trivia. our listeners about Miss Mary? Yes, she was a pioneer in the field of uh, paleontology, specifically marine paleontology. Mm. And she is famous for discovering uh, ichthyosaurs. And ichthyosaurs were sort of dolphin-like marine reptiles that uh, existed during the Mesozoic. So during the time of the dinosaurs. They were not dinosaurs, but they were uh, reptiles, marine reptiles that existed in the ocean during that time. Yep, so her family was broke, and they used to sell seashells, and they would call them seashells, and she was the one that kind of figured out that this was an actual animal and not a seashell. Well, that's pretty wild not, because hey, you know, hey. when you think about it, it's <laughs> like, what can the listeners learn from these DNA off these fossilized bones? Because I know there was some discovery that happened this week, even with finding human bones, right, Marissa? It was like they're able to extract <gasps> yes. from these bones to even be finding even further. Did you hear about this? It was in the news <laughs> this week, Harrison? Uh, yes. I'm so fascinated. So what's one of the things that like now they have this new DNA that they're discovering um, out from West Africa about another branch of humanity. And Mm -hmm. to me, that's like, here's where we come from as, you know, humans and and evolving and coming out. And how does that tie in with like the search for dinosaurs? Like where do humans and dinosaurs, where is that link? How does that come together? So with dinosaurs, unfortunately... Uh, or maybe fortunately for some, we don't have <laughs> dinosaur DNA. Uh, we, we, uh, since all the uh, biological... Well, that's kind of a little disappointed. I was kind of hoping that you were going to form your own little dinosaur. I mean, maybe the missing link is dinosaur DNA. Yeah. Not even have you thought about that? No. <laughs> Not even from... Didn't they have dinosaur skin in a museum a while back? Or was that... They, they have fossilized dinosaur uh, skin and muscles. No so there's mean. fossilized triceratops skin. There's fossilized mm-hmm. uh, hadrosaur skin. So hadrosaurs are like duck-billed dinosaurs. And, uh, but that's all replaced kind of like sandstone that preserves that, that uh, quickly after the animal dies. It's buried by sediment, and that's how that skin and 
flesh gets preserved. Oh. Wow. But with the case of DNA, we don't have any DNA, unfortunately. The only DNA we have of things that existed during the Ice Age, mm -hmm. so that's uh, you know early man, uh, early humans, uh, mammoths, bison, uh, what cave was lions. the last what? dinosaur to survive? I've always Ooh, wondered. That's an interesting question. Well, right up Alice, Triceratops, mm -hmm. T Rex, Dakota Raptor, um, they all existed right up until the uh, asteroid impact. Wow. So that's but right you didn't around. Answer my question you know. What was <laughs> the very last dinosaur to survive? No, I'm just kidding. You wouldn't know. <laughs> Hey, they're still excavating, Marissa. Chickens. But I gotta let. Was I gotta, it Alice? Was Alice the very last dinosaur who would wander around, being like, "Are you my mommy? Are you my mommy?" Maybe, <laughs> maybe it got lost. Maybe it's not in North Dakota, and he's gotta go to another state. But all I gotta say is this: I don't usually like to get my hands dirty, you know, Harrison. So usually, when you're going fossil excavating, how many times do you wash your hands? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just, just to be real. Out there. You know, There's do you do it regularly? Space. You're, you're sacrificing cleanliness. Ooh. Sure, when you're out in the bathroom. <laughs> so, so there's no, no you, hand sanitizer, you, uh, no nothing. Do you pack toilet paper with you when you are on these excavating trips? Sorry, we have a bunch of students out here, young students who are looking at they the They love you right now. <laughs> and they need to know what do they pack in their backpack when they go excavating for dinosaurs. Well, well, in some cases, when we're going out for a while, we do pack toilet paper. So toilet paper, number one. Kids, yes. Pack your toilet paper. Don't palm it. <laughs> <laughs> totally critical. Yeah. Uh, but there's, you know, a myriad of different tools. Actually, a, a long flathead screwdriver is oh. one of the tools we use, and it sort of picks apart the shale. It acts as like a good tool to uh, pick apart some of the sediment. That's pretty I wild. would never have known that. 99 set store flathead screwdriver. Kids, you heard it first. But I, <laughs> but I really wanted to spend the last five minutes of our time with you, Harrison, talking about your uh, wonderful nonprofit, Fossil yes. Excavator. So for all the listeners who don't know about your organization, which, what can you tell them about it? Yeah, so we formed a nonprofit uh, with the goal of allowing individuals who usually wouldn't get to go on a paleontological expedition to to uh, to go on one, wow. and uh, we can't you know accommodate everybody at once, but right. uh, that's the you know the goal is to provide those opportunities, similar way to how I was given this opportunity to go uh, help co discover Alice. And so, is there an age limit to sign up for to be a fossil <laughs> excavator? Because I see all these young cats out here, and I know they'd be loving to find the next Jurassic Park. So, is there a, what, what age or what uh, is it? High school level? Are you taking people in? More importantly, in or what's the cap? Ooh. What's the cap? <laughs> so I want to get in on this. Yeah. So we. Uh, well, I, I'm not really sure about. I mean, the the exact number of how many people we could bring. I'm not sure if we could bring 50 people along, but uh, sure, we've right. had. You know, uh, Dr. Chellen has had. Uh, you know, field trip uh, groups come out to Skull X. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, we've had uh, different people, uh, you know, friends and family come out. A lot of uh, local ranchers who uh, helped us with the excavation process, right, who had their yeah. bobcat excavators that were able to uh, at least dig out paths to carry the skulls out or what have you. So, um yeah, I can't imagine having like 500 kids all just like running around like, where do you want me to go? You want me to start right. brushing over here? Yeah. You want me to start? I got. The, I can pick up a screwdriver. I know how to use it. You just turn right, yeah. right, lefty, loosey, right. You know, like, yeah, that can get a little out of control too quick. But uh, right. so it would just be a handful of individuals. But um, we 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 want to try to get out as many people as we could uh, as we could hold. But I know that you were saying that you wanted to tour Alice across the country. Yeah. And when will this Alice. happen? Because I think, you know, Cal State Long Beach or even my school, Cal State Los Angeles, would love to welcome you in and see Alice in person. So how can we make that happen? Yes, please. You know, with the uh, prepping process, first we're going to need to prep her. And okay. that means that we're going to have to, uh, you know, secure her and uh, add to different parts of the skull that are missing. So we have like a complete composite uh, right. of, her, of her full skull. And then uh, it has to go to a public repository. So that's like either a museum or a university that has uh, an archive of fossils. And we want to try to, uh, you know, get her around, maybe get her to a few places. Uh, we're not quite sure yet on the exact destination, but uh, the actual skull will go uh, definitely in a public repository or museum. Wouldn't that be uh, the rub if the La Brea Tar Pit Museum is the one that housed <laughs> yeah, Alice after they turned you your, down? <laughs> your Alice and the rest of your crew. That, that would, be, would be awesome 360. <laughs> I love it. That actually, hey, the world goes around 360, right? I mean, that could be an amazing opportunity, yes. right? And that could be a, a great TED Talk as well. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, I got to say, awesome. Harrison Duran, you are fabulous, my friend. You're very inspiring. You inspired myself and Marissa yes. Pitts and the rest of the Chris Collins Show team. And I just want to let you know, um, let the listeners know, where can they follow you on social media? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram at uh, uh, Harry Duran 1996 That hey, is my <laughs> Instagram handle. And I am also on Twitter as uh, Harry Duran, so you'll be able to find me on there. But and he what only the likes to be called Harrison, folks. Yeah, call him Harrison, okay? <laughs> Unless you're really close with him, you can call him Harry, all right? He's always said Harry. Only his girlfriend can call him Harry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Hey, but what is the website to Fossil Excavator? Yeah, so it's just fossilexcavators.com. Oh, yeah. I love it. Oh, easy breezy. I like that. Hey, rock and roll man. Hopefully we can cross paths real soon and yes. come and visit your hometown, Orange bring, County, bring all right? Alice let's and let's, let's go do grab like a, a drink talk. and let's have some fun times, all right? Hey, absolutely. Hey, guys, thank you so much for having me. Yes, yeah, thank you so much, Harrison, you. and enjoy the weekend, my friend. All right, take care. Good morning, Marissa. How's it going? Oh, it's a fabulous morning. Good hey, morning, you already Chris. know what's good. You know what really cracked me up? What? Which I think is such an amazing thing. You know, Steven Spielberg's daughter 
is going to be joining mm-hmm. the film industry. I know. But not, but not in the way that everybody's thinking. She's a porn star. Hey, that's, that's great. Right. You know, that's all starts in Hollywood, <laughs> right? <laughs> hey, but what about those democratic democratic <laughs> debate last night? That was Ooh. that was juicy. I like it. Gloves but are out. Punching was happening. I wonder, you know, especially with that horse face lesbian comment. Oh, that, <laughs> that was, was too great. Good. All I got to say is Mike go. Bloomberg looks like a horse face lesbian. But uh, hey. You know, his stage presence was not there. I was a little shocked for how no. much money he's throwing into his ads. You think he would throw in some stage presence? That's true, but oh, hey, that's sorry. true, but we'll, we'll see which one's the biggest heavyweight bout because, you know, this Saturday we got Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder, yeah. and I got to go with Wilder on this one. Hopefully oh, he really? gets that knockout. Yeah, really? big time. I'm going to go with Fury on this one. What? Which round? Uh, Stop playing, girl. Three. Stop playing, girl. <laughs> All right, let's get going. We got a great show for everybody. Our guest Skyping in today is Harrison Duran. He's Yay! a fossil excavator. This is like the grooviest thing I've ever I've it. ever heard. I and I just want to remind all the listeners out there to go and check out our new YouTube episode drop featuring two comedians, Rebecca Mumley and Neil Vachani. All right, it's time to rock and roll. All right, this is hashtag TLDR, too long, don't read. We did all the reading for you, so you didn't have to do it. Scouts BSA, or what millennials know as the Boy Scouts of America, is in serious trouble. In an article from The Federalist titled, The Boy Scouts Bankruptcy is Not Just Financial, It's Moral, by Alfred Sewers. In a recent news report, Scouts BSA, with an estimated asset of $1 billion, has fallen deep into the problems with America's civil culture today. The national organization faces large lawsuits due to alleged cases of sexual abuse, including a petty lawsuit from the Girl Scouts for pouching on their membership by changing its name recently to Scouts BSA and recruiting girls. Boy Scouts of America wasn't established to shape boys into open-minded heterosexuals or pressure the youth into Latter-day Saint standards. (laughs) Scouts BSA used to be an organization that helped boys become men. As a former Boy Scout, I left the organization at Life, which is the badge before Eagle, because I didn't want every event associated with the LDS church. Catering towards the Mormon church and the LGBTQ plus community has completely tarnished the integrity of Boy Scouts of America. So, Marissa, mm-hmm. will Scouts BSA become a thing of the past? I don't, I don't know how it can move forward right now. It's tough. I don't know how. I had this discussion yeah, with I my mean, little brother, Kelly, because he is a very so proud what is, Eagle what Scout. what does he think? Because none of my family oh, he ever did the Boy ever Scouts and Girl Scouts. No? I don't think he ever thinks it's going to go away. I think the, my biggest regret not finishing Eagle Scout is yeah. it really does look good on your resume. Yeah. Everybody well, always will still You will respect. not survive an apocalypse, but your brother, Kelly, will. Yeah, so he I know knows how I'm to tie calling. the rope, right? <laughs> Hey, but fast forward ahead nearly 50 years. Scout membership has dropped towards 2 million. In an article from BuzzFeed titled, Instagram Influencer Marketing is Already a Nightmare. Political Ads Will Make It a Shit Show by Katie Natopoulos. <laughs> Try saying that three times. I know, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> Natopolis states, luckily I have Greek friends. Natopolis <laughs> states that Facebook's political advertising policies, which fall into a gray area of federal regulations, have already come under intense scrutiny. 
But allowing political candidates to use influencer marketing on Instagram requires a lot of trust. That is how the influencer marketing works. And that system has already been completely broken. Yeah. So if you thought that you had a hard time figuring out what was fake news or real news, well, guess what? It is only going to get murkier and murkier. How can you regulate a broken system? Natopolis writes, Enforcement has been pretty hands-off. Over the years, the Federal Trade Commission, FTC, has taken action against brands and advertising agencies, but never individuals putting up posts. And I don't see how the FTC can regulate individual posts. That would be an infringement on our First Amendment rights of free speech. And any regulation on that will open up a can of wormy worms, dirty worms. So, Chris, do you think more politicians are going to jump on the influencer promotion wagon like Bloomberg and hire more deputy digital organizers? I don't know so much if they're going to hire these like meme culture of influencers, right? But you already see the trend of everybody trying to capitalize on the advertising that Bloomberg has already done. Oh, yeah. Like one of the biggest ones that I saw was Joe Biden, you know, pretending to have an Instagram message talk with Bloomberg. The same thing that, you know, I think it was Tank Sinatra started, you know, the famous meme guy. Yeah. I think it's funny. I don't know. But Marissa, you did find something this week that's hilarious, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, Bloomberg's actually hiring people for what? $2,500 a month? $2,500 a month. And your name is under their uh, tax write-off is not an, uh, Instagrammer influencer, but mm. a deputy digital organizer. Hey. So now, kids out there, if you want to be something in life, don't, don't worry about calling it an influencer. Call yourself a deputy digital organizer. And you know what? I, <laughs> I want to say something even during this article as well. I am very yeah. proud to announce that we are going to be having our first uh, on-air personality for the Chris Collins Show, and he's going to be joining us next week. We have Tom the Commie, Yay! who's actually going to be joining us up. He's going to be an official blog writer for us, and he's very <laughs> Russian. He is from Russia. And he, we're sense be, of humor is actually some of the best Exactly, sense of humor. and he's going to be breaking it down. So Tom the commie is going to bring his Russian voice <laughs> on the situation with meddling into the 2020 election. Woo! So keep a lookout for that, listeners. Well, on top of looking out for Tom our commie, we are going to be, um, at least I'm going to be pulling up my popcorn and tea to watch this shit show of political influencer ads because, like I said, it's only going to get stinkier. That's right. For $20 a month, would you pay for a financial online course with YouTuber Jake Paul? In an article from BuzzFeed titled, I tried Jake Paul's financial freedom movement classes, so you never have to, by Lawrence Trapagel. I don't know why we keep getting all the hard last names, but try saying that three times. <laughs> that one was good. You did a good one on that one. <laughs> YouTuber Jake Paul launched Financial Freedom Movement last weekend, offering videos starring himself and others, teaching users that traditional schooling is useless. Here's Jake Paul himself speaking about his new service. They say we're entitled and lazy. They tell us to go to college, get a job, retire at 65. How's that working out for us? Are your parents happy? Are they living the life they wanted? There's over $1 trillion in student loan debt and people with outdated education who can't even get a job for the student loans they took out that now haunt them for life. Maybe we're too young to have experienced this yet, but if you're not, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I've had enough of it. 
I've had enough of it. Oh, yeah, Jake Paul, man. You you are quite the person. But hey, fair enough. It's just like how kids are sleeping on trade school because it's not your parents' traditional route. Mm -hmm. I mean, in my last semester of graduate school, I'm sitting in a classroom with a professor in her mid-30s teaching a course called Surviving the Industry. My professor hasn't even been in the industry long (laughs) enough to teach me or anybody how to survive in the entertainment industry. (laughs) But taking financial advice from Jake Paul is as dumb as the high school kids selling that Venma energy drink on campus. So uh, that's a brilliant Jake idea. Jake Paul <laughs> is not a financial guru. No, he's not. So Marissa, yeah. have you had the urge in the past to like join an online course, let's say like masterclass? No, I never took an online masterclass course, but there, um, I have taken financial uh, understanding courses. Well, like Dave Rathers, is that Dave Ramsey? Right? No, no, it's no, it's, it's, it's survival after bankruptcy. Oh. <laughs> so it's a it's a course you have to take after bankruptcy you, and before you're like, bankruptcy. Wow, I, I actually <laughs> so have I've a taken book. my course. You're like, I don't want to do a meal plan. <laughs> no. All you gotta do, kids, just do a chapter seven. You'll get your financial course, and you'll be like, oh, that's what I did wrong. <laughs> you know what? I think we're on to something. Maybe we should start our financial freedom movement. Ooh, for only nine ninety nine a month. <gasps> Chris and Marissa can Let's give go. you financial advice. <laughs> you should listen to it. Sign yeah, up I now. love it. But hey, I got to say it again and again. Jake Paul is not a financial guru. All right. So this is Strike Accord where we play your favorite B-side music. So if you actually physically or digitally pick up these records, you're going to know these tracks. And, you know, my biggest theme that it seems like it's an ongoing theme this week is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bands are reuniting with the original vocalist, which is a really cool thing. It it seems like it's that it's it's an ongoing trend. It's really huge in the rock and roll industry because there's not too many hip hop groups who just replace other rappers. So I love this band. This band's called Asking Alexandria, and they just released a new single last week titled "They Don't Want What We Want." And they don't care. And they also announced their first headlining tour in over four years. So I think that's really cool. Wow. But for all the listeners who don't know Ask and Alexandria, in 2016, the original vocalist, Danny Horstop, actually uh, rejoined the band after this quiet departure from Dennis Soft who uh, became the new vocalist because Horsnob was dealing with a drinking problem and just drugs, and he was just so unhappy with the direction of the music. And quite frankly, what ended up happening was they were a really hardcore metal mm-hmm. band, and he shattered his vocal cords, oh, snapped it. Oh, my god! So now he kind of has that a more raspy. of a raspy kind of tone. Yeah. So they needed, to, they needed to push oh back, but the rest of the members didn't. So they moved on without him. So Danny Horstop started a band called We Are Harlots, but he is now, I wish they could create another album because they're such mm-hmm. a good band, but it's because Danny's putting so much focus into Asking Alexandria. And this was off their uh, last album, and this song's called Hopelessly Hopeful. Check it out, guys. This is Asking Alexandria. I love that band. As much as you know, bands want to change their musical direction, it's fine because there's also another fabulous album that came out, Shameless Plug, but The Word Alive. It's a fabulous album. They did the same thing. They they stepped back from their metalcore habits mm-hmm. and they're doing the rock and roll. Ah, 
So, hey, nice. some bands do that, but hey, very excited that Danny's still in the band. That's right. And if you like what you're listening to, you need to go to the com and become a member today, and you can get all the our past episodes right there at your fingertips. That's right. <laughs> hey, but hey, this is Strike Accord, and this is the Chris Collins Show, and we love this segment because, you know, it's... I, I love every segment. Yes, <laughs> My producer do. always hates when I say that. So <laughs> I love every segment, okay? I love it very, 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 much. very, very much. Well, I'm always allowed to at least pick one song. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Marissa, so I think this is fabulous, and this really sticks to the theme about original vocalists rejoining the band. Yeah, so um, we got our wonderful Ozzy Osbourne. Yes. yes he's the, uh, he was the front man of Black Sabbath. Now he's on his own doing his uh, his thing, the Ozzy Osbourne. Has, and he has announced that No More Tours 2 is officially canceled. Yeah, the whole because tour. Because of his health and recently coming out as having Parkinson's disease. The rock music legend spoke exclusively with Robin Roberts about his recovery uh, last month, and this is what he had to say about it. <laughs> it has been terribly challenging for us all. I did my last show, New Year's Eve, at the Forum. Then I had a bad fall. I had to have surgery on my neck, which screwed all my nerves in. And I found out that I have a, 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 a mild form of it's um, Parkin 2, which is a form of Parkinson's. And it is, there's so many different types of Parkinson's. It's not a death sentence by any stretch of the imagination, but it does affect certain nerves in your body. And it's, it's like you have a good day, a good day, and then a really bad day. A year ago, next month, I was in a shocking state. Yeah, and especially when you hear that, Marissa, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, to me, you know, just to kind of go back, Ozzy was kicked out of Black Sabbath back in the day because he had a crazy erratic drinking and drug problems. We all know this, biting the head off of bat, all that kind of fun jazz. But, you know, the, the band members, they sacked him. They were done with it. You know, yeah. Tony Iommi, the guitarist, was actually the one that was leading the front to say, hey, let's move on. And they replaced him with, you know, the classic rainbow singer, mm-hmm. you know, Ronnie James Dio, which is fabulous. And they have another band with the Black Sabbath members called Heaven and Hell, oh, which is a fabulous that. band. That- check out. That's pretty cool. But out. my biggest thing is, I don't know about you, Marissa, but I think Ozzy needs to retire. I'm really concerned for I don't for think health. Ozzy has a choice. I think, the, I think if Ozzy's choice, it was to tour, and they put up, I mean, it's a lot of money they you put into Sharon's promoting it. think really going to push him to try to get out there? I mean, um, no, I think that that's it. I think he's done. I think he, I think, like, w- whether his choice was to retire or not, like, He's done. No I one's going to see him again think, on a tour. I think fans of Ozzy Osbourne should be really amped up that he, today actually, his new yeah. album, Ordinary Man, just came out. I can't wait this to This is his it. solo album. And we're actually going to be playing a song right off that album. And this song's actually called It's a Raid. And this is cool because Post Malone's in well, it. He Post did a song Malone. with them before. That's right. And another fun fact, too Post Malone's producer uh-huh. actually he produced this album. And he plays album. the guitar. And he plays yeah. the guitar a lot of it. And there's a lot of special guest from Chad Smith. We got Elton John on the album. You got Slashes on another song Under the Graveyard. Check it out. This one's called It's a Raid. (laughs) 
That's right. That's Ozzy Osbourne. That's off his brand new album that dropped today. That is Ordinary Man. Go ahead and check it out. But yeah, and then also, if you guys are always wondering about Post Malone's weird, crazy face tattoos, that's right. (laughs) You can actually go onto our uh, Rewind Wednesdays. That's right. We've redefined them. Yes, we have. So redefined Rewind Wednesday. It's because we're already done. We're in season five already. You can see Jacob Tillman from D Inked, um, the producer of the tattoo documentary D inked discussing about face tattoos yeah i mean post malone looks like he's already in a half morphine phase of venom I, so i have uh, to say he's probably the happiest guy i've ever seen with face tattoos for real <laughs> like, and it's really like, funny to- face tattoo guys are like i'm a mean guy and post malone is just like what's he- up you know, so many people sleep on Post Malone, but like the thing is, like sometimes I can just, you know, make fun of him here and there. But like I think he's really gonna be iconic for our generation. He's gonna be something yeah. special. So look out for that. Well, who guy. was so iconic back in the him. day, huh? Ozzy. Huh? Ozzy yeah. was. That's right. <laughs> hey, but Eminem, please. Yeah, that that, that white boy. (laughs) Hey, but I got to say, this is going to be our final note directly right after the show. And if you didn't know, Motley Crue actually kicked out Vince Neil at one point. It was pretty crazy. And he was too much. Huh? Drinking, drinking and again, drugs, and drugs and yes. going crazy and feeling bloated. And I you mean, know, you get, to, to do so much drugs and drinking, you get kicked out of Motley Crew. That just says how much you're that, actually that's true. doing. <laughs> so we wanted to let all the listeners know how Vince Neil is doing right now. So there was a family who posted a viral <laughs> video of the vocalist Vince Neil of Motley Crew through a site called Cameo. You might have heard about it. It's they wanted to wish their younger son a happy 40th birthday. So through Cameo.com, you're only given two. 150 characters of what you want the celebrity to say, and this was Vince Neil at his finest. Hey, Decker, this is Vince Neil. I want to say uh, happy birthday, brother. Uh, this is actually from uh, uh, Christian, Mom, Ethan, and Blake. So uh, keep on rocking, shout the devil, and, uh, and do. Yeah, do some feel good stuff in four in big old four of you, man. All right, see you later. Hey, this tour is going to be crazy with Motley Crue, Poison, and Def Leppard, and Jonah Jett, too. But all I got to say is, yeah, he got replaced on their self-titled album, 1994 album, which is pretty nuts. That was John Corabi. Oh, gosh, I said his name wrong. But, hey, go look it up yourself. We're starting to run out of time. But, hey, this is the Chris Collins Show live on 22. And if you like what you're listening to, please go to thechriscollinsshow.com and become a member today and get that free CCS T-shirt. So, Chris, what is good for today? I love this story. And if you have been sleeping or if you haven't watched the Monday's uh, race at the Daytona 500 Ooh, on yeah. President's Day, this it, something crazy. totally crazy happened. So NASCAR driver Ryan Newman was released from the hospital after suffering serious injuries in a fury crash at the Daytona 500 on Monday. Newman was hospitalized at the Halifax Medical Center in Daytona Beach, Florida, following the wreck, which happened in the race's final lap. Yeah, while gnarly. Newman was in the lead. That's the insane part. So here is a clip from Andy Petrie, who is a former NASCAR crew chief, speaking about NASCAR's safety improvements. There's so many areas on this car, and not hardly any of it can you look at that safety hasn't been thought of. Everywhere you can see where a car could possibly hit is, uh, is protected. This is a crush zone, so, so it absorbs energy 
when something hits the side. Two window nuts. If anything happens in a crash, it keeps the arms and things from coming out. But to uh, stiff carbon fiber seats. It can stand a lot of impact. Crash into the wall, into the air, goes Newman. As spectacular as it was, we still expect our drivers to be able to get out and, you know, shake it off. But when you have an impact, it can keeps your head from going you know, over-traveling and, and causing bigger injuries. Drivers must also wear fire-retardant racing suits, and new, more crash-absorbent walls have replaced concrete around the perimeter of nearly every track. And if you think about it, race 200 miles an hour, side by side, you can flip up in the air, and 99 times out of 100, these guys are getting out of the car and walking away. But, you know, this time it didn't happen. Yeah, it, it's really insane, and you know, a lot of people have been trying to hammer down on NASCAR, saying you know there still needs to be safety improvements happening. But I gotta tell the listeners something. Mm-hmm. Really think about this. Come on, NASCAR vehicles are probably the safest vehicle you can drive going 200 miles per hour. I think NASCAR is doing every step right to make these drivers safe, and I believe Ryan Newman walked out because of these safety improvements happened from the last decade. So, kids, please understand Chris's argument when you go ask your parents for that first car. Right. Please tell them you, the safest car is a NASCAR. It's a NASCAR. Car. It's true. I mean, it, it, you heard it himself from That's Andy Petrie, and all I got to say is, Marissa, yeah. there has been a debate with NASCAR recently about uh, this whole speed limitation. No. Every driver has to go 200 miles per hour. And, and that's what's causing this clutter, clutter that's happening on every race. I think they should, should be they able to go, go free range. Yes, free range, man. If you got a car that can go 300 miles per hour, go 300 miles per hour. I don't see why I not. See but also, the danger is still even more intense. You know, when we do, you know, rank up those, uh, you know, miles per hour. Uh, that's why people watch NASCAR too. That's true. They do watch it. Not saying they don't want anybody hurt, but there is an element of what just happened. Uh, yeah. That you know you're. We're not technically biologically made to go that fast. And here we are in a mad thing to go really, really, really what fast. What if you were going 200 miles per hour and I start going, like, let's say 260 and I start to lap you? <laughs> you would win the race. <laughs> do you like, think it'd be more dangerous that. or do you think clutter's the way to go? <laughs> um, I think that you it's would win hard. the race and you would be able well, to pass you're gonna me win the race, quicker. But I'm just saying, but you'd be able to pass me and think, then we're not cluttered. But what do you think is safer, keeping it cluttered or by just letting them go all... All hell breaks well, loose. I'm not a safety standard specialist, but oh, okay. I would like to say <laughs> that I think they should have opinion. free range to go. Well, hey, listeners, you let us know what you think because uh, I'd like to see them re- uh, speed it up. Why don't you think? But hey, you know, this has been a great show for everybody. We had yes. the wonderful, the beautiful, the talented. Harrison Duran. He's a fossil excavator. Go and check him out. His nonprofit organization at fossilexcavator.com. All right. And so, Chris, who is our next week's guest? Hey, we're looking forward to this one because, man, I've been on the hunt for these guys. Yeah. They are a phenomenal UK rock band. You guys are in for a treat. All the listeners out there, we got strange bones. I know. I'm so excited. So, if you're sleeping on them, do some homework right now and go check them out. They got That's, some they're phenomenal the, They're the music. biggest thing coming out of the UK right now, in my Definitely. Opinion. I want to see a tour in the US yes. real, real soon. And if you like what you're listening to, go to thechriscollinshow.com and become a member today and get that free CCS t-shirt. And make sure to tune in every Friday at thechriscollinshow.com and hit that on-air button at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time if you want to tune in live to The Chris Collins Show. Peace! Ciao, Bellas!